Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Story time. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I used to work as a police officer. But I left the job about a year ago to pursue my passion for outdoor activities. So, last summer, I went on a camping trip with a group of friends to the Illahi flat near Roseburg. We were having a great time, enjoying the beautiful scenery and the peace and quiet of the forest. But then, something strange happened. We were all gathered around the campfire, chatting and roasting marshmallows, when we heard a rustling in the woods. At first, we thought it was just an animal, but then we saw a huge creature emerge from the trees. It was a Bigfoot. At least, that's what it looked like to me. It was about three to four hundred feet away, but even from that distance, I could see it clearly. It was walking on two legs, just like a human, and swinging its arms as it moved. It was a surreal sight, and I could feel the hair on the back of my neck standing up. There were twelve of us there and we all saw the creature. Some of us were scared, while others were just fascinated by the sight. 
We watched as the Bigfoot crossed a 600-foot wide clearing, then disappeared into the woods on the other side. After the creature had gone, half of the people at the campsite left that night. I don't blame them. It was a strange and unsettling experience, one that I'll never forget. As a police officer, I've seen some weird things in my time. But this was something else entirely. I've never seen anything like it, and I'm not sure I want to again. I was bow hunting with my husband, father-in-law and 14-year-old brother-in-law. We had just set out on our evening hunt, having arrived at camp the day before. We split into two groups, my husband and I headed uphill, my father-in-law and brother-in-law downhill. An hour or so after we split up, my husband and I heard a scream below us and seemingly centered in heavy area of brush slash trees in a hollow at the base of the hill. The scream was long and very guttural. The hair stood up on our necks. We went to locate father-in-law and brother-in-law. Upon meeting them, they told us that they too had heard it. My young brother-in-law was more than a little shook up. His dad had left him near a tree to see if he could jump some elk towards him. Both were very close to the sound since they had been downhill from us. My brother-in-law felt it was very near to him and was very relieved when his dad showed up to check on him after hearing the scream. We spent a little time that night trying to determine what it was. My husband and father-in-law have spent most of their lives hunting slash fishing and camping in various areas of Oregon, this one in particular. They hadn't heard anything like it. It was too deep for cat and my father-in-law swears it wasn't a bear. I listened to the tape on your site and although it was similar, the sound I heard was a little deeper and more guttural. I used to work as a police officer. I'm from France, so that's where all this takes place. I quit the job about five years ago. My mother's health was declining fast at the time, and I needed more time to take care of her, and my mother passed away not even a year after that. But I've not returned to the job to this day. I don't plan on going back at all, partly because of the weird things I'm about to tell you about. I was out one night, and the person I was with, well, we were not the best of friends. I felt like he was too aggressive and rude with people. Not the type of person you want to have power over others. I'm basically saying that he was a prick who thought he was better than everybody and everybody made sure to abuse his position of power whenever he could. Nobody really liked working with him. He was every bad picture you could want to paint. Sexist, racist, very homophobic, and a narcissist. Imagine how he acted around me. I knew that he despised me. It called my life choices disgusting multiple times. This might sound really strange, but I feel like everything he said was questionable or downright awful. Sometimes it was his glass falling off the table and breaking. Sometimes it was his car alarm going off, and sometimes there were random noises around him, like random screaming. This one time, we had heard random shots next to us when we were investigating a robbery, and he couldn't help but say some horrible stuff about the black woman and her child living there. I really don't know how to explain it. It's like something was following him around and bowling him. He completely ignored it, though, pretended like we were just imagining things. There was no way he didn't see it. It wasn't karma. It was something bad, like an entity. I knew that it made all of us feel uncomfortable and kind of scared in some way. It was freaky, and that one night I was working with him was the most confusing night of my life. He was exceptionally grumpy that evening and made sure to show me throughout our entire shift. He kept on complaining about his family, his neighbors, and our colleagues and gossiping to my face. I tried my best to ignore him, but it began getting out of hand. He was really starting to piss me off. Throughout the night, there were several small incidents that happened. Some small and not too worrisome, but some were really scaring me. The first thing that happened in the car was the radio all of a sudden turning up in static. He turned it down and continued driving as if he didn't think it was weird. After a little while during one of his obnoxious rants, his coffee cup flew out of the cup holder towards him. 
This one scared me. It obviously couldn't have fallen out of the cup holder. It was basically launched at him. Again, he didn't seem to care at all and continued talking. After that, it was quiet for a while. Not that many people were out and about on the streets, so the shift was more calm. Everything turned around after that, though. It just got way worse. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw something running from the side of the road right in front of our car. We hit the brakes, and before he could come to a stop, you could feel that we had hit it. What I saw looked like a black cat, so I just assumed we had killed it. I was surprised by him breaking. I didn't think he's the type of person that cared about that. You'd almost expect him to drive faster for something like that. We both got out of the car to see what happened, but to our surprise, there was nothing. I was sure that we had hit an animal, we both did, and he was just as confused as I was but said the animal had probably been able to get away from the vehicle, that maybe we had just hit something else, and none of this made sense whatsoever. We got back into the car, we were both very quiet at this point. After a couple of minutes, I almost launched out of my seat, my partner hits the brakes out of the car out of nowhere. We come to a stop, and I asked him what had happened. Now he looked scared, I had not seen him act like this ever, so it worried me. He told me that whilst we were driving, he sees a light behind the car, so he looks into the rearview mirror, and what he had seen terrified him. In the back seat of the car, according to him, was a woman, dressed in all black, she stared right at him with a straight face. He said he immediately pushed the brakes, and when he looked back up, she was gone. I could tell that he was not okay at all. As soon as he told me this, I saw somebody standing to the other side of the road from the corner of my eye. I soon turned around to look from there, they were then gone. I cannot tell you how uncomfortable I felt. Seeing him being equally as freaked out as I was made it worse. He had ignored everything up until this point but could not ignore what we had seen that night. We didn't talk about it after. You'd expect something like that to change a person, and after a couple of days of him being more quiet, he went back to his old ways. I'm Peter, a wildlife biologist, and I've been studying the Bigfoot phenomenon for years. I've always been fascinated by these creatures, and I've spent countless hours researching and investigating sightings all over the country. One summer evening, I received a call from two young men who claimed to have seen a group of Bigfoot moving along a ridge near the outskirts of town. They were both very excited and insisted that I come out to see for myself. I decided to bring my friend Todd, a local police officer, with me for backup. We arrived at the site just before sunset and immediately set up our equipment. Using our binoculars, we scanned the ridge, looking for any sign of the creatures. After a few minutes, we spotted them. Seven Bigfoot were moving between the trees, and we could see their individual faces. We were absolutely positive about what we were seeing. Todd and I combed the ridge for several hours, but we were unable to find any sign that the creatures had passed. The partially frozen ground had tracks of other creatures, elk, deer, and coyote, but nothing that could be attributed to the Bigfoot. As we packed up our gear and prepared to leave, I couldn't help but feel a sense of disappointment. I had hoped to get some concrete evidence of these elusive creatures, but it seemed like they had vanished into thin air. Maybe this was one for the Bigfoot from another dimension crowd, I thought to myself. I didn't know what to believe anymore. That Friday night, cryptid investigator visited the site and stayed until 5 AM, recording only owl noises. It seemed like the Bigfoot had disappeared without a trace, leaving us with more questions than answers. I come from Phoenix, Arizona. I haven't traveled to many places during my life, but I was born, raised, and schooled there. Since I didn't want a boring city job, but I didn't feel like moving either, I signed up to be a ranger in the Tonto National Forest. The job wasn't easy or fun all the time, but at least I didn't have to sit in a crowded office all day. I loved my job for the most time, up until a crazy night that I won't forget. 
I was working my third shift, starting late in the evening. While doing the first tour, it was still fairly light outside. There wasn't a whole lot to see, many people had already gone home, and the rest were well on their way. I finished the tour, headed back to my station, and time flew by quickly. I was already getting prepared to do the second and longest tour of my shift. I had to walk about 4 miles down a rocky road all the way to the Theodore Roosevelt Lake. The walk down was quite easy and very quiet. I reached the lake in less than one hour. I was a bit tired from walking, so I sat by the lake to try and get some rest. The first thing I heard was a splash. It sounded like a very large fish jumping out, falling back into the water. Shortly after that, there was another, but this one was closer and louder. It sounded far too big for a fish. I got startled a little bit, so I stood up and began slowly backing away from the lake. The thing in the water began to speed up as well, and I could see something was waving its tail towards the shore. Still walking backward, I was focused to see what will emerge from the water, and the first thing I saw was a mouth, a huge mouth, and a long one with many teeth slowly creeping off from the lake. I moved faster back up the hill, turning my head to see what was behind me. After a few steps, when I turned my head, I realized the creature was already running towards me at full speed, looking somehow crocodilian. Its legs were short but having huge claws on its feet. It resembled the famous bear lick monster. I was terrified. Even though it was short, it was moving and closing the distance between us. My instincts kicked in, and I managed to pull myself up quite high on one of the pine trees. I stayed up there for a whole seven hours while this thing waited for me to come down. Only when the sun had come up had it disappeared. I finally got off the tree and sprinted the full four miles to the station. They sent over divers and some police, but they didn't take what I had reported too seriously. I still work there, but I refused to go near that side of the forest, and trust me, I get crap for it all the time from my buddies. I am a police officer and I have been working in the area for quite some time now. I have heard a lot of strange stories and unexplainable sightings, but nothing quite like what Scott Sebring had reported to me. Three months ago, Scott received a report of a dogman sighting from the northwest Portland area. He didn't have any details at the time, but he promised to get them. The sighting had apparently taken place on Skyline Road just west of the junction with Cornelius Pass Road. This area has had numerous sightings in the past, but this one was different. When Scott finally got the details, he found out that the sighting had been witnessed by a couple driving along Skyline Road at night. They reported seeing a large, hairy creature crossing the road in front of them. They described it as standing on two legs, with long arms that swung as it moved. They were both so frightened that they didn't even stop to investigate. As a police officer, I couldn't ignore this report. I decided to investigate the area with Scott. We spent several hours combing the area, but we couldn't find any sign of the creature. The partially frozen ground had tracks of other animals, like elk, deer, and coyote, but nothing that resembled a dogman. Scott has been actively seeking dogman spore in the area. The most recent discovery was just three weeks ago near Lostine, Oregon. He has built a blind and has been studying the area for weeks. He found tracks ranging from 19 to 9 inches in size, and he discovered that cutthroat trout were common in the area, as were cattail roots and willow shoots. At one place, we found a 3-inch limb that had been snapped. There were apparent finger marks still visible on the limb. It was a strange discovery and we couldn't quite explain it. It seemed like something had been there and had used the limb as a tool. In the end, we didn't find any concrete evidence of Dog Man, but the sightings and discoveries were enough to make us wonder what else was out there. I am a conductor for Union Pacific Railroad working pool freight from Portland, Oregon to Hermiston. We were traveling westbound on a train going around curves between Bonneville, Cascade Locks, and Dodson. 
As we came around a curve near milepost 36, I saw something dark between the rails. I said to the engineer, what is that? He then blew the whistle. Something tall and hairy with long arms got up and ran into the trees and brush. Its arms swung wildly when it ran. We looked into the spot where the animal went into cover, but could not see it. Time was daybreak. We got a good look as we approached at about 15 rail car lengths. So this guy and his partner get called to this woman's house. She is hysterical, terrified out of her mind. Both of the officers are trying to calm her down enough for her to tell them what is wrong. Finally, she catches her breath and tells them that he is coming to get her. The officers ask who he is. The lady starts flipping out again. They get her calmed down again and ask her who she believes is trying to hurt her. Her answer, Mr. Freeze. Yes, the Batman villain. So the officer who told me this story looks at his partner, who just sighs and starts to radio in the false alarm. But then the lady starts freaking out again talking about how Mr. Freeze is coming. So my buddy grabs the woman and tells her it's okay. He tells her he can't believe she doesn't know about Mr. Freeze's weakness. He tells his partner to give him all the change in his pockets and he does. My buddy starts digging through the change to find quarters. Each time he finds one, he throws it into a corner of the room, until all the corners had a quarter in them. Then he tells the woman she is safe because Mr. Freeze can't come into a room that is secured in this way. He gave the woman the rest of the change and left. They never got another call from this lady. My husband is a social worker and worked in the Austin State Hospital for a while. He was doing emergency mental health work with the police and their unit was stationed at the hospital. ASH is pretty well known for being haunted. He was working late one night in an office with huge floor-to-ceiling windows. The office did not have any blinds or window treatments, so when the lights are on at night the area outside the windows are pitch black. One of the windows was actually a door that was always locked. He doesn't even think it opens anymore because the building is so old. The area outside the windows is a courtyard that is inaccessible because it's sandwiched by other buildings. To get to it you'd need a key to get through one of the, generally never opened, doors from one of the other buildings. Most of these buildings are empty or abandoned. ASH was defunded years ago so a lot of the buildings are in total disrepair. This particular night, he was alone and got up to go to the bathroom. He was always creeped out by the windows. When he got up to go to the bathroom he looked out the window and saw a man standing in the abandoned courtyard staring back at him. He freaked out and called security. They searched the area and never found anyone. He told his co-workers and they said don't ever tell me anything like that again. He used to joke that it was a ghost who would attack counselors but not social workers to freak out his LPC co-workers. Used to do armed security in Denver. If you are familiar with the Lakewood area, there is a place called Clare Gardens. Next to that is a retirement community called Francis Heights, and connected to the Heights is a nursing home called Dayspring. Place is rumored to be haunted. I was told that it was all built over an old orphanage that was ran by two nuns and a priest whom neglected the orphans there and apparently some of the kids that died are buried there. Some of the ladies on the night cleaning staff were about to quit because they would clean the glass panes on the windows and doors, then return later to find little handprints on them. The residents would complain that they could hear kids running up and down the halls laughing and playing. There is an indoor gym next door, and my partner and I got bored one night and decided to go investigate to see if anything scary happened. I remember that sometimes in photos, paranormal things can be captured on film that we can't see with the naked eye. Took a random picture of the inside of the gym while my partner was off exploring and when I looked at the picture, I saw what appeared to be the shadow slash silhouette of a person standing there looking down at its feet. Decided not to explore so much after that. I am writing a book about the crazy experiences that happened on the job.
People think nothing happens on duty as a rent-a-cop. We have our days too lol. I'm a hospital chaplain. I was on call one night. I got a call from a nurse about 3 am saying that she got stuck with a psych patient, as they were considered psychotic but not enough to be placed in the behavioral health unit. The patient was admitted a few days back, but suddenly just stopped talking to the nurses, other than saying I'm dead, and I can't talk to the living. Working in an area with many drug abuse patients and an unusually high amount of psych patients, an event like this wasn't too strange. However seeing as they were having a hard time trying to communicate with the patient, the nurse was kind of fed up and just called the on-call chaplain to see if I could help. I arrive at about 3 am, and the nurse tells me what I just told you. The nurse escorts me in the room and the patient gives her the same one-liner spiel. Upon seeing me, she said oh, you're dead too. I can talk to you. The patient then indicated for the nurse to leave, and I sat and talked for a good hour of this patient's concerns how they were going to die soon and felt unable to talk to any of the living. However, the patient insisted that I was dead too and that I was the only one she could talk to. Without breaking HIPPA, she gave some general end-of-life concerns one would typically see, with the added benefit of how she was able to get glimpses of heaven but because of this could not really talk to the living. Having personally responded to other behavioral health complaints involving religious psychosis, I took this as another typical case. I was able to get the information and communicate the wishes of the nurse, and after explaining the details to the nurse left shortly that after. I made it back home and I'm just getting to sleep, as I get a call from the operator saying there is a code in the same room and patient I just left, and I was asked to come back in. By the time I made it to the hospital the patient had died. Arguably the weirdest case I've ever handled. When I was 19 to 20 I lived in Maryland and was obsessed with photographing abandoned houses in some of the rundown suburban areas around where I grew up. I got arrested, aka driven home in cuffs and slapped on the wrist, a lot for trespassing but I was dumb and this didn't stop me. So I went to this abandoned house that supposedly a cop was killed in and now no one lived there. It was pretty odd inside. The floor was a foot deep with just broken furniture and detritus. It was like whoever abandoned the place left everything they owned there and then kids came in and smashed it all and left it on the floor. Creepy house but I didn't feel anything oppressive or weird about it. I was there during the day, alone, but I didn't get any chills or anything. Took photos of the downstairs and then went upstairs. The stairs were wood and looked pretty secure, not obviously rotted or anything. While I'm up there I heard a cop car pull up outside and chirp its siren. Two cops came into the house and I yelled down where I was. One of the cops told me to stay there and started to come upstairs. I had gone up no problem and this dude was a skinny little rookie looking dude so we were honestly probably the same weight. Except that every time he put his weight on one of the steps, it broke. Sometimes just a little so he kept going, but twice his foot went all the way through the step. It was the weirdest thing. Eventually he backed off and I came down. None of the upper steps broke for me and I jumped down over the broken ones. They took me home and it was fine but that's still the weirdest experience of my life. Maybe something in that house still really hated cops. Back in high school my friend's family had a break in. This family lived in a rural area and their land was a little tough to find. Most people got lost trying to find it the first time and usually they'd need to send someone to the road to flag down anyone that might be looking for them. Law enforcement, pizza guy, guests, etc. Some guy had broken into one of the sheds and had possibly stolen something so they had called the police in the middle of the night. This particular night, they didn't want to send anyone to the road because they thought the burglar was armed and possibly still in the area. The police seemed to have found their land easily and went about their business for the night, investigating the shed and sweeping the property. They found the guy hiding in the barn and arrested him, 
Open and shut case. Homeless transient that nabbed some tools from the shed. Once they were wrapping up, one of them said it was okay to call the lady that flagged them down at the entrance to their land back to the house. The family hadn't sent anyone to the road. I was working at around 2 a.m. on the north end of my jurisdiction on a dirt road that dipped slightly down in elevation into a tamarack and red-white pine swamp. I'm patrolling along the road because it's a known back way for drunk drivers to take to avoid the main route at bar time in between neighboring villages. Just south of me a quarter mile as the crow flies is a small Native American reservation populated with residential. But I'm essential working somewhere that I shouldn't see anyone other than passing vehicles, certainly no one on foot. It's end summer early fall where the days are warm but the nights were cold. As I'm driving I have my window down enjoying the brisk temps, I'm a Wisconsinite, and for some reason I was driving fairly slow, probably only about 20 miles per hour. Off to my left I hear very distinctly the sound of water thrashing, and my mind initially thinks I hear maybe a deer or a bear running through the water. Had seen a black bear the night before near where I was on this night. I came to a quick stop and used my spotlight and left alley takedown floodlight to hit where I thought I'd see something like the black bear fellow, but there was zero movement, just the sound of weighty water slushing away from me. Where I was looking was not thick with woods, but more adolescent pines and smaller underbrush with a dry ridge only 50 yards away from me. I had lots of clear sight lines in between larger pines to the hill past the water. I estimated the water to be only maybe a foot deep, but as I'm seeing nothing make the sounds that I'm hearing, my mind then thinks that maybe it's a someone in the water but hiding behind a tree to avoid me, and so I have a concern for them because of how cold it was that morning. But I see nothing. The sounds of water moving was very distinct and to me sounded bipedal, and heavy, and my perception was telling me that I should be seeing something only a couple dozen feet away from me, but there was just the sound. I called out asking if anyone was there, but nothing, the swishing of water stopped, and I saw nothing walking up the ridge as if it had cleared the water. I didn't spend much longer looking into the barely lit woods over the water, I rolled my window up and continued on briefly hoping that I hadn't stranded a guy in the dark cold wet woods that's what my rational mind was thinking, but there was definitely a shit alarm going off in my lizard brain telling me to boot scoot the f out of there the moment I didn't see anything running through the water. It was a back of the neck tingly moment. The noise was so loud, enough to hear it while driving in a vehicle. But there was only the pretty calm shimmer of the water and nothing that I could see running through a foot of water. This happened two falls ago and I remember that morning every time I drive through there. As a former paramedic and nurse, I've seen a lot of things that have made me question the nature of our existence. But one aspect of the job, in particular, stands out as evidence of something beyond our understanding. Have you ever seen someone die? I mean really die, not just slip into a coma or vegetative state. I've seen people die and yet their body carries on for hours, almost as if they're still alive but something has left them. It's hard to describe, but you can tell when someone is no longer there. It's like the light has gone out of their eyes, their body is just an empty vessel. But here's the thing. I've also seen the opposite happen. In traumatic deaths, when the body is failing and should be giving up, the person keeps on fighting. It's almost as if their will to live is stronger than their body's ability to keep going. I know this may not be proof of a higher power or the afterlife, but it does prove to me that there's more to our existence than we can comprehend. It's a humbling and awe-inspiring realization to know that there's still so much we don't understand about life and death. And it's made me more grateful for every moment I have on this earth. I'm working a maintenance job, midnight to 5 a.m., in the old Denver Light and Gas Building 15th and Champa downtown Denver. There's a few people around there during the day, but after hours the place is pretty empty. I'm working by myself and haven't seen a person all night, I go to the bathroom on the third floor, which is a narrow long room. 
walk in the door two urinals directly to your left, then two stalls after, then a sink against the wall behind the stalls, then interior wall of the building. I hit the first urinal and as I'm finishing I hear plain as day the sink turn on and a variances in the water noise like someone is washing their hands. I zip up turn and the sink stops, so I just stand at the end of the stall because there's maybe two feet between the stalls and the wall that leads to the sink and it just dead ends at the sink so there's not really room for two people to pass each other and definitely not enough room at the sink for two people. It only took maybe two or three seconds, but I'm like WTF? There's nobody else in here with me. I wasn't tired, I can honestly say I heard what I heard, and I don't get freaked out imagining things. It's the only one thing in my life that I've ever experienced like that. Been there several time after and haven't heard anything like it since. I have always been an avid hunter, spending most of my free time out in the woods. I have hunted everything from deer to turkeys and even tried my luck at trapping. However, nothing could have prepared me for what I experienced one spring morning 15 years ago. I was turkey hunting on my family's property along the Grand River in Ionia County, Michigan. The birds had flown down from the roost and gone in the opposite direction of where they usually went, making it challenging to track them down. Despite my efforts, I couldn't get them to come to any calls. Frustrated, I decided to take a quick nap and leaned against a big oak tree. It was a beautiful day, and the warmth of the sun felt good on my skin. I must have drifted off because I woke up to the sound of the strangest roaring sound I have ever heard. It was like nothing I had ever experienced before, and it sounded like it was right on top of me. I was instantly filled with fear, thinking that some creature was going to tear me to pieces. I held my 12-gauge tightly, ready to defend myself. The sound came again, and this time it was directly overhead. I looked up to see a hot air balloon above the treetops with a blonde woman firing the burner, and an elderly couple looking like they were having the time of their lives. Feeling relieved, I let out a deep breath and chuckled at my reaction. It was then that I heard something else, something in the distance, and it didn't sound like any animal I knew. I froze, unsure of what to do. I listened carefully, and the sound became louder and more distinct. It was then that I saw it, a Sasquatch. At first, I couldn't believe my eyes, thinking it was a bear, but as it came closer, I could see it was something else. It stood over eight feet tall and was covered in dark hair. Its eyes met mine, and for a moment, we just stared at each other. Then, it turned and walked away, disappearing into the woods. I sat there in shock, trying to make sense of what had just happened. For years, I had heard stories about Sasquatches, but I had never believed them until that moment. It was a surreal experience that left me questioning what else was out there that we didn't know about. From that day on, I always made sure to keep my eyes and ears open, knowing that anything was possible when it came to the mysteries of the forest. I first met my wife some 22 years ago. Shortly thereafter I was warmly welcomed into the annual family deer camp, they must have seen the hook in my mouth that escaped me at the time because they were very guarded about access to the property and no one outside of the family hunted it with rare exception. One of the first things her uncle proudly showed me was the family collection of stone points. I recall counting at least 75 distinct pieces, if not more. I am by no means an expert on the subject. But from the limited research I've done the collection represented a broad range of time from the Neolithic to the Woodland Indian period. I was of course curious why he would show me these points prior to my first opening day of deer season with my soon-to-be-in-laws. The question was answered when he told me I'm showing you this so you understand there are things you won't understand at times when you're out there. I had no idea what this meant until one turkey season some four or five years later. Mind you, I had archery and gun hunted the property many times in those first few years with good success. I had never been truly scared when on stand before daylight or waiting for dark to climb down so I wouldn't scare the deer lingering in the fields. Sure, 
I was creeped out a few times due to my own imagination, but nothing like what I experienced that April dusk. I had been out for a couple hours before dark, trying to pattern the birds and see where they were roosting. My plan was to find that out and come out the next morning ready to bust a nice gobbler right after fly down. Of course the birds ended up roosting on the far southwest corner of the property, about as far you could get from where my truck was parked on the north end near the old stagecoach Ford area, just south of the house. The sun had just set as I neared the Ford area. I was maybe 200 yards from the Ford when I saw what I thought was a light on a boat close to the opposite river bank. As I got closer, I heard splashing and saw the light bob back and forth. No big deal until I heard the distinct sound of horse leather and metal bits and pieces clinking and squeaking, along with a low voice alternately calling what sounded like G and haw. Before you ask how do I know that what that means and sounds like, I grew up on a farm and my father had a team of ponies that he used in pulling competitions. I also had two uncles that had Belgian draft horses they showed at county fairs and pulled wagons in what seemed like every small town's festival parade for 40 miles around. I can't tell you how many times growing up I saw pony pulling competitions or tossed candy out of a wagon in a parade. Back to the lights and sounds, I didn't really process it at first. I kept thinking those are weird sounds to be coming from someone night fishing. My truck was parked about 125 yards more or less due west from the fort on the two track that led up the hill and out to the road. As I got closer the light and sound seemed as if they were crossing the river, heading toward the back area of the house slash old stagecoach stop. The closer I got, the dimmer the light got and the quieter the splashing, voices, and creaking and clinking became. I don't know when the light went out or the sounds died away because at this point I had stopped walking and was running at a pace that would shame Forrest Gump. I made it to my truck in record time, started it up, and flew up the two track and out to the road quivering like a scared child. There is a good sized field, give or take 60 acres, along the river just south of the old ford. This field is longer than wide running north to south. More than a few stone points have been found in this field over the years. The entire area to this day is full of deer and turkey, and was probably even more so before white men. Heck, I'm sure there were elk, deer, wolves, and bear in abundance in those times when it was all forest. It was for sure fertile hunting ground, and people have been there for thousands of years. To this point I have been remiss in pointing out the area across the river east of the property is a state game area. My wife's cousin is a solid guy. Let's call him Jay for these purposes. Jay. He is a hard-working family man, serious when he needs to be, and funny as hell in deer camp. I've never known him to exaggerate or stretch the truth. He relates a story when he was in high school and he and another cousin were tasked with dissing the big field along the river. They started on it one weeknight after dinner. It had been pretty dry and things were dusty. The way they went about it was he was on one tractor, slightly behind and to the side of the other cousin on his tractor going north and south. They did it this way so as to cover more ground and get it done quickly. Jay says they were about one third of the way through the field when the sun began to set. It was then he started to see in the tractor's headlights what he thought were the outlines of figures swirling in the dust kicked up by the discs and the tractors. His first thought was his mind was just playing trick on him, so he ignored it until the next pass when he got about midfield and distinctly saw what appeared to be people with long hair dressed in what he described as native clothing. When he got to the end of the field, the other cousin had stopped his tractor and was climbing off. Jay stopped his tractor, got off, and went to see what the other cousin wanted. He said they both stood looking at each for a moment when they both said at the same time, did you see anything weird in the dust, at which point they made a joint decision to haul us out of the field and come back and finish the job during daylight on the weekend.
About eight years ago I was on a backpacking trip in the western Sierras in central California above Huntington Lake with a group of five guys from the Bowhunters League I was running at the archery shop I worked at. We had packed in the first day about nine miles to our first camp and had no issues. We had archery gear and had tags for deer and bears. When we woke up the next morning we hiked to a small high country lake to refill the water and head up above tree line to glass for deer. We were about a half mile from the lake and we heard what sounded like a limb snapping off a tree. We all joked about Bigfoot and carried on. The lake was in a big bowl surrounded by thick timber. As we were filling up our camelbacks and Nalgenes all four of us heard the same sound we heard on our way to the lake. It was five consecutive tree knocks from five different locations around the bowl. We finished filling up our water and got the hell out of there. We stayed another night without incident and headed home when one of the guys had a sleeping bag. Break and nighttime temps in the high 30s. On our way to the trailhead the first day we stopped in Shaver Lake and the area has had sightings in the past. Once you spend enough time out away from civilization you see and hear things that are not simply explained. I have had a few other experiences with strange lights and apparitions on separate occasions. I believe in most of it but I don't let it take up too much real estate in my head. Four years ago we bought an old house. And from the get-go it freaked me out. It's a one-time owner but over 70 years old. A little old lady ran a day care out of it until she got too old. We bought and fixed it up as our first house. One. While remodeling the radio would change station by itself. I would have it on some rock and thought the first couple times it was my dad just changing the station. Then one day while working in the kitchen, where the radio was, it changed twice both from my station of rock to some straight up gangster stuff. 2. One night I was doing some work late and called my dad for a question about some electrical stuff. While my cell phone was trying to ring it turned white noise and I heard the words in old lady's voice, get out. I hung up and told my house off. I mean I really laid into it. Once I calmed down and realized I was alone I left. 3. Cabinets in my house will be open when I walk through to this day. 4. A series of pictures we took before the remodel had snow in only one room. Every picture in that room not the rest of the house. 5. Woke up one night to go pee walked out in the hall to the bathroom and threw my hands up in the air and yelled whoa. As a teacher this is a natural reaction right before I bump a child in the hall at school but there was no body in the hall. Just a shadow I saw for a second that seemed to be a young kid in the hall at my house. 6. Woke up one night with my eyes closed and had that feeling like I was being watched. I peeked and saw a little lady figure standing in the room. Closed my eyes real quick, then found the courage to look again and saw that it had moved to my wife's side of the bed. Got up and turned the light on and it had vanished. 7. Went to the bathroom closed the door. Was doing some calculus and the door opened. I leaned to close it and it opened again. I then left it open if a ghost wants to see and smell that I will let it. 8. A light in the closet in what used to be the little old lady's room will be randomly on. 9. Just now as I was looking at another thread the baby's rocker arm moved to the floor slowly. The rocker has an arm that folds over and locks into place. The arm was at a 90 degree after we got him out of it about 4 hours ago. Now it's all the way down. Like I said I don't believe in all this stuff. It's all just weird never threatening or mean. What do you guys think? I don't believe in ghosts or that paranormal stuff. I had one experience that was hard to shake. Back in my drinking partying days, I was at a friend's house and went to sleep in his guest room after a heavy night of drinking. Middle of the night, I wake up to someone shaking me. Physically. I felt their hand pushing on me. I look up and see the shadow of a man in the dark. I say Jeff, what do you want? Silence. Just standing there. I grab my phone which was next to me for some light, and it was gone. I think my drunken mind was playing tricks on me.
When my wife and I bought our first house we had this eerie experience. The house was built in 1917 and two people had died at the house, an older lady inside and her husband on the front porch. We heard all the noises, doors opening, lights going on and off, that sort of thing. I started to fix the house up and things started getting worse. Any house plant put in a windowsill would be smashed on the floor. Any clothes that I hung up on a dresser knob for work the next day would have the seams unsewn. I put a bottle of Jack on the refrigerator and it fell on the floor and landed on its top. I put it inside of a pot that my wife had on the fridge and the next night we heard a crash and it was on the floor again, on its top and this time it cracked the neck. Our dogs could see the ghost and you could watch as both dogs heads would turn in unison as they watched it go through a room. After a few years the strange things tapered off and finally quit. We sold the house to a single lady and she resold the house only a few months later and moved out. I saw her at the store and asked why she had moved. She told me about all the strange things that went on while she owned it and just couldn't take it. Although we toughed it out for 15 years she just couldn't take it and the house has sold several times since. My grandparents live in a private subdivision on the lake. There is a huge mansion out there that was built on an Indian burial ground. It's called the Myers Plantation. They owned all the land in the beginning and then started selling it off for people to build on and eventually became a private gated subdivision that had its own by-laws until recent years. The Meyer Mansion had a big circle driveway. Growing up as kids there was always stories being told about ghosts and whatnot. Of course I believe them. Mr. and Mrs. Myers died years and years and years ago. It had a private pair and boat house and no one had took care of it since they passed. It was falling apart and the woods were grown up all around it. Hell it did even have water around it anymore because the lake had receded so much over the years. Well you can still walk out there to it and find cane poles rigged up on what's left of the pier. You can take them down and come back and they will be back up again. The back of the house down to the lake is one fourth mile walk. There is a nice stone walkway the entire way. Well as we got older we got braver and braver to explore this land. The more we explored it the more we decided it was all lies and wasn't haunted or built on a graveyard. Well then one day going up those stairs one broke loose and tunnered over. It was a dang tombstone and so was all the other 15,000 stones used to make this stairway. I used to ride the go-kart around the streets and my papa always told me never to go into the Myers driveway. I would always turn around at the end of it and go back. It was at the end of the street. Well one day I got ballsy and decided I was gonna circle the driveway. So I did and pulled up to the front door and it had a huge awning over the front door area. As I started to glance around at the many many windows in the house I see the blinds moving in one window and then see a woman appear as the curtain is pulled back. This house has been vacant since the Myers passed. I hightailed it home and believe me I never went back in that driveway again. Needless to say I couldn't tell anyone what I saw because I wasn't supposed to be there to begin with lol. One late night I was was all alone at the house. I was in my room on the green screen. Laptop on bed and I was in a chair where I can see the door into the hallway. All of a sudden I see a blur go by the door. I figure it was late and my eyes playing tricks on me. And then I heard what sounded like someone running down the hall and then a door slam. Now every door in the house stays open unless you're using the restroom or sleeping, so I know all the doors are open. I grab my pistol and take a look-see in the hall. Nobody in hall and my parents' door was shut, but they were out of town. The alarm is set so I know no doors or windows were open. I call my buddy over and we clear that bedroom. Couldn't find nobody or any sign of anyone being in there. Not sure what that was but know what I heard and I know that the door was originally open. As a kid I used to wake up to see people standing around my bed. Not a crowd, but one or two or three. 
They'd be just standing there looking at me and sometimes around my brother's bed as well. I'd close my eyes and hightail it out of there to my parents' room and sleep on the floor for the rest of the night. It started on a family vacation to Maryland where we were staying in a large old home. I woke up to an old white lady with a black man standing in the doorway of this large room the adults put the kids in to sleep. She pointed at me and he walked over to my bed picked me up and laid me back down facing the other direction. I spun back around in the bed and they were gone. The second time was staying the night at my aunt's house, another person watching in the doorway. From there it progressed to be a more common occurrence. As I was getting older this was plain getting old. I remember one night trying to touch one of their hands but there was nothing tangible there. I know most are going to say it was the imagination of a child, but back then I swear it was real. So much that I'm getting goosebumps writing this. No lie. It all stopped when I prayed to Jesus to make me not see the people anymore. One prayer and it ended. Since they were never threatening figures I always considered them to be angels of sorts. Hence why they went invisible when I asked for them to go away. No they weren't white with wings, just people standing there. When I was 7 years old, my mom, my younger brother, and I were sitting in our living room watching TV. It was a typical evening and we were all enjoying a relaxing night in. Our living room had an open layout, and the kitchen was visible from where we were sitting. The kitchen table was right next to the living room, and one of the chairs was backed up to the carpet line. As we were watching TV, my mom's jacket, which was hanging on the back of the chair in the kitchen, suddenly started swaying back and forth. It was a strange sight because there was no air conditioner on, and all the doors and windows were closed. We all looked at each other in shock, wondering if we had just seen the same thing. At first, we thought it was just a strange draft, but as the jacket continued to sway, we started to feel uneasy. My brother and I clung to our mom, scared of what might happen next. It felt like an eternity before the jacket finally stopped moving, and we all let out a sigh of relief. Even though we tried to come up with a logical explanation for what we had seen, we couldn't shake off the feeling that something strange had happened. That experience stayed with us for a long time, and we always made sure to keep an eye on that chair in the kitchen. Looking back on it now, I still can't explain what caused the jacket to move like that, but it's a memory that will stay with me forever. My aunt told me a story of one night when she was around 12 years old, she's now 50. They would visit my great-grandmother in a small town in Mexico where she lived and where my father's side of the family is originally from. Anyways she told me she woke up one night and happened to look out the doorway, screen door, everyone slept with doors and windows open where she saw an old woman riding a donkey that was being pulled by a boy down the road please no donkey jokes. She thought to herself that was odd since it was the middle of the night. She recognized the old lady as an old family friend that had a small shop store down the road. She went back to sleep and the next day told my grandmother about seeing the family friend on the donkey being walked down the street last night. My grandmother figured she had to be dreaming and didn't think much more of it. Well later the day they find out that the old lady had died the night before in her sleep. I thought it was pretty creepy. I hope when I go out it ain't on a dang donkey. I've always been a bit of a skeptic when it comes to ghosts and the paranormal, but something happened to me a few years ago that I just can't explain. It was a typical night at the station, and I was working alongside the medics and firefighters. I had been using my radio in the ambulance earlier in the night, but when I went to grab it, I realized I had left it behind. So I walked out of the quarters and into the bay to retrieve it. As I was walking, a firefighter walked past me wearing bunker pants and a t-shirt. I didn't think anything of it at the time, assuming he was just heading out to grab something from his truck. But when I walked into the bay, I noticed that the quint was gone on a call. It was strange, but I figured maybe they had just left in a hurry and forgot to tell me. 
Feeling a bit spooked, I walked back inside to the shared quarters. But when I got there, it was completely empty. The kitchen was empty, the bathrooms were empty, and there was no sign of anyone else being there. I asked the fire guys about it the next morning, and they said that no one else would have been there at that time. It was just me and them. I couldn't explain what had happened, but it definitely left me feeling a bit unsettled. From that moment on, I couldn't help but wonder if there was something more to the world than what we can see and understand. My brother's best friend is blind. He has told me that he has experienced spirits since he was young, good and bad. The most memorable event that he told me was when he was lying in bed and suddenly felt like something was strangling him and that he could not move no matter how hard he tried. After that happened he went into his mom's room to retrieve a crucifix to hang on his wall. After hanging the crucifix on his wall he turned to walk away only to see it flying across the room and smashing on the opposite wall. This was not his first and will not be his last encounter with spirits. He has moved several times since this incident and says no matter where he goes it still occurs to this date. I had never believed in ghosts before my hunting trip to Three Rivers. It was a beautiful place, with lush greenery and rolling hills. The house we stayed in was cozy, but there was something eerie about it. On the first night, I lay down in bed, exhausted from the long day of hunting. The ceiling fan was on, gently blowing cool air over me as I drifted off to sleep. But then something strange happened. I heard the fan stop, and I sat up, confused. I thought maybe the power had gone out, but then I smelled it, the strong odor of sulfur. I felt dizzy, like I was drunk, and I stumbled out of bed, trying to figure out what was happening. As I stood up, I noticed that the light switch was off. I hadn't turned it off, so I was confused as to why it was off. And then I heard it, voices coming from the kitchen, along with the sound of the microwave beeping. I cautiously walked towards the kitchen, feeling the hair on the back of my neck standing up. The voices got louder and I could make out a woman's voice. It was then that I remembered that an old lady had died in this house two years before. I was terrified, but also fascinated. Could it be that her spirit was still lingering in the house? The thought sent shivers down my spine. For the rest of my stay, I felt like I was being watched, like there was always someone in the room with me. I didn't sleep much that night, too scared to close my eyes. And the next morning, I asked the other hunters if they had heard anything during the night. They looked at me with confusion, telling me that they had slept like babies and heard nothing. It was then that I realized that I had experienced something truly otherworldly. My parents built their house in 79 on a lot where a young couple died in a tornado in the early 1900s. When they were leveling the lot they found a lot of bricks from the destroyed house the couple lived in. They used the bricks for walkways, a patio, and such. I had the bedroom in the middle of the hallway. My parents decided to make me and my sister share the room at the end of the hall when we were little and make my bedroom into a playroom. The nightmares were horrible. I would see shadows of little people run past the door. There would be large shadowy figures standing in the middle of the room. The center of the room would get cold at night. After about three months I moved back into my old bedroom and everything went back to normal. When I left for college my sister took over my old room. I came home the summer of my first year and ended up in the room at the end of the hall. The nightmares and shadow sightings were worse than ever. After one week at home I started sleeping on the couch and spent the rest of the summer there. I haven't stayed in that room since. I never believed in ghosts, but my buddy's story made me think twice. He showed me a picture of his family at his grandmother's wake, and there was something strange in the background. The whole family had gathered around a fire pit outside the house and they had taken a photo before everyone left. In the picture, there were around 15 to 29 people standing in front of the fire pit, and everything seemed normal. 
But when my buddy made copies of the photo to give to his family members, something strange happened. In one of the copies, there was smoke from the fire pit in the form of a person. I was skeptical at first, but when I saw the photo, I couldn't believe my eyes. It was a print from the middle of the copies, and the back of the photos were numbered from the print shop. There was no explanation for the ghostly figure in the photo. My buddy's family believed that it was the spirit of his grandmother, who had passed away just a few days before the wake. They thought that she was there with them, watching over them and saying goodbye in her own way. I don't know what to make of it, but I do know that I'm now a bit more open-minded about the paranormal. It's hard to explain what happened in that photo, but it's definitely made me think twice about what's out there beyond what we can see. When I was younger we were staying at Hunts Court Cottages in Rockport and they were on the same lot area that my papa used to live on as a child. We came back Tahi Cottage after visiting with my great aunt, Papa sister who has a sixth sense, and went to bed. During the night my papa woke up and saw someone in the walk-in closet with the light on. He said, Verna, my mom also my great-grandmother's name, what are you doing in there? There was no response. My mom all woke up and looked and saw the same thing and said the again Verna what are you doing in there? Thinking my mom was in the closet. Then the figure was gone. At that moment my mom all looked at Papa and said, I smell the perfume wind song, an old lady perfume, and my Papa said, my mother used to wear that. The next morning my great aunt came over for coffee and breakfast and as soon as she walked through the door, she stopped dead in her tracks and says I smell windsong. The entire family was wide-eyed and silent. To this day my family feels it was my great-grandmother who was in the closet and actually was murdered in Rockport when my papa was in Korea. Strange for sure.